Welcome to the Arcadis 2022 International Women's Day Leadership Podcast, where we are focusing on breaking the bias and women and girls leading the charge on climate change adaptation. This is a three-part series, and I am your host, Donna Adamo, Sales Enablement Director at Arcadis. To kick off part one of our series are Alexis Haas, Arcadis' Chief Sustainability Officer, and Edel Christie, Arcadis' Strategic Global Implementation Leadership. She is our Chief Transformation Officer. We really look forward to what you both have to say. There's lots to unpack. First, I'd like you, Alexis, to tell us a little bit about yourself, and then Edel will go over to you. Sure. I'm very happy to. So my name is Alexis Haas. Um, I actually am American, you can tell by my accent, but living now for the past 14 plus years in Germany. So from background perspective, I started out in international development, both on the side in DC and then even on the ground in places like rural northern Nicaragua. And what became really clear there was that a lot of the choices that we make in boardrooms and in companies fundamentally determine how the rest of the world reacts and what we will be doing with it later. So that actually turned me back towards working in business, went back, got my master's of science and MBA and started working with B2C companies. Spent a lot of time in the business to consumer space and uh, spent the last 13 years working with companies like Adidas uh, on their brand sustainability program. Now I focus more on the infrastructure space and on the B2B space. And so what I'm happy to talk to you about is where sustainability intersects there. Edel? Hi, lovely to be here today. Edel Christie. I with Arcadis, and I live in Yorkshire, England. Um, but before that, I've had the joy of working with this business and working in over 30 countries and at one point living in China with my family while delivering a business role there. But my background is I did start life as a civil engineer, but didn't land there very long because actually uh, problem solving is my motivator and being able to work on projects and with programs and with clients where we solve those really complex challenges together is, is what gets me out of bed in the morning and uh, what bigger job when you're working with a business to solve how we deliver the strategy into the business? That certainly is uh, living out my expectations of uh, what I want to be able to do. Well, let's start with our first topic, sustainability. So it's a big 14-letter word with a big impact. We're hearing it a lot. And I'll start with you, Alexis, because wherever you sit or land as you're listening to this podcast, it means different things to different people. So if you could just give us kind of a synopsis of why it is more than just a buzzword in 2022, and it really needs to become a way of life that we need to be thinking about. So I think what is really key to understand is sustainability means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And fundamentally, the way it's been understood is the balance of things like people, profit, and planet. So it's actually how do we truly in a sustainable fashion and ability to continue indefinitely balance those factors so that we're successful going into the future. Now, the way it started to be applied into business is actually to say, where do those things fit into our business model and fit into how we bring value into the world in the way that it actually puts forward all three of them? Key, I think, for any business is to also understand what's your role in it? What are you doing uh, with regard to sustainability? Because just applying some of the 
topics, the SDGs, whatever it is, onto your business won't fundamentally bring that value to the market if you don't understand what's your unique value that you could bring in to solving the world's goals. I need to add one tiny addition to this, which is these days, sustainability more and more has become almost synonymous with the topic around climate change. And this is because that is the first most fundamental threat to us being able to continue indefinitely. And so oftentimes business are confronting that and saying, where does my business contribute to the problem and how can my business model be a chance to solve it? We can come into a whole bunch of other buzzwords after that, things like net zero, you know, the energy transition, et cetera, et cetera. But these are the kinds of things that businesses are confronting in this space now. So then that's a great segue over to you, Edel, because we want to be thinking about how we can provide solutions and transform our services. But businesses may not even begin to know or they're just beginning to kind of pull back the layers and see where do I even begin? Because it, it could be overwhelming to first understand sustainability, how it impacts your business, how it impacts your clients, how climate change is involved in that. So what are you seeing now as companies, including Arcadis, are making these transformations? So I think uh, building on Alexis's point, everyone does want to make a commitment and they want to be able to direct uh, a change. But the challenge is how and what to do first. And I, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges we see in every organization, including ourselves, right? Prioritization and weighing off one thing versus the other is hard because there is so much to be done. And, and so part of that challenge is helping people understand the totality of what could be achieved, looking at the status of a current organization and how we might take steps towards that in a way that we can bring people with us. And I think that's the big key in all of this. Uh, as we make these changes towards our sustainable commitments, how do we bring organisations, people on that journey? Because otherwise, it's it's a great to have that commitment, but nothing's moved. And that's what sustainability is all about, right? You need an organisation that is moving together for it to be sustained in the future. So in having these conversations, my mom's 84 and she asked me yesterday, what, what is sustainability? Because she keeps hearing it now. And like, what does it mean to her? And I said that if you think of it as getting goods, people and services to the places that they need to go, where we live, work and play and do it in a way that protects the resources we need to do all that while also protecting the resources of the future is a way, and I explained to her, it can start with the simplicity of using napkins that you can wash versus buying paper towels. Now that I know, very, very simple, but take it to a level and talk about these words that they're not going to go away. We want to be educated and we're learning new concepts as we go as well and then making them applicable to businesses. So let me start with you, Alexis. I think the easiest way to make this practical is to talk about how we've grappled with our own sustainability ambition at Arcadis. So when I came into Arcadis, one of the first questions I ask is, why are we doing sustainability? And everybody said, because it's very important and this is the way the world's going. I said, yeah, but what, what are we doing? Why are we here? We wound up crafting this sustainability ambition that we're here to accelerate the transition to the net zero world in a way that improves quality of life for all. 
And oftentimes there are some buzzwords in there, like net zero. People going, well, what is net zero? And I can say very simply, that's the world we're going to have when all our emissions drop to zero and we actually have the kind of society and planet that can continue to operate in a way that we won't be in danger of climate change anymore. Now, the reason we didn't stop after the net zero part of that tagline is because actually there's a lot of ways to build a bridge to get there. It's not just about putting windmills out there. It's actually about some engineering solutions, some nature-based solutions, rebuilding our forests and ecosystems. It's also about design choices you can make and even choices that you make in terms of promoting equity in society. Because actually, if we don't address the imbalances that we have just take the example of low-income housing in cities. Probably not the most profitable place for companies to look to build energy-efficient, newly renovated buildings. However, if we don't address that inequity, we will never get to having a net-zero world. So actually looking at the equity angle and building ourselves with a just transition to this new world is actually going to help us get to that end game. So if we can talk by very practical applications of the things that we need to build, yeah, we need to build windmills and grids and insulate our homes. These are all things that'll help get us there. And then we also need to talk in real concrete terms about what that means and how our society will look very different. The way you go to work will look different. The way you live in your home will look different. Your home might run on electricity and that electricity will be powered by the sun. And you just need to describe in very visceral terms to people how your world will look different and how that's just frankly going to be so much more awesome than the world that we have today. It's going to be so much more enjoyable as a word that we have today. That'll create the kind of desirability to be able to get ourselves on the more sustainable path. So, Adel, as we think about how companies are now paying attention to their value chain, to their choices, to their decisions. How do we responsibly start to have that conversation, understanding their needs, you being in a role of a transformation officer? You know, it it's, can be a little overwhelming. What are your thoughts? So we've got to walk our own talk, first and foremost. So from a sustainability, what do we do for our own business operations? And, and actually, how are we looking at ourselves to make sure that we are doing the right things so that when we're talking to clients and other organisations, we're not only can we say we're doing the right things, but we can also tell them about the journey we took to get there, some of the challenges on that journey. So, for instance, when you're looking at your supply chain, that's a complex thing to look at. I think your, your point around the napkins, everything's a system. You can't just stop at the next action. You really have to think through all of the consequences. And some of those consequences are difficult choices for the business today. But how do you help people look further than the business today and the business of the future that they want to have so that when they're making those decisions, they can see the longevity of them, the sustainability and the quality of those decisions mean their business will be better. And they can talk very eloquently about that to their people, to their shareholders in a way that gives comfort that those decisions are directionally right. So I think there are a lot of opportunities in every organisation right now that looks at common policies to say, Actually, let's just look at those end to end and are they truly sustainable? And probably we've all got opportunity around all of that and start making the shift 
and making the shift in the way that people can contribute and participate as well. With your problem-solving superpowers, Edel, what are you seeing as the biggest thing that's getting in the way of transformation? Because we have a long way to go with sustainability and getting to net zero and where we want to be. And then I'll come over to you, Alexis. Can I, can I make it a little bit personal, first of all, Donna? Because the last two years, I've spent a lot of time at home. So you start reflecting on how you live your own life, right? So you start and you're listening to what the opportunities are about how you can change your own life. So sure enough, the year before last, I started growing my own vegetables from zero. And so I started doing that and did it in such a prolific way, I was able to share that to the whole of my community. And they all had vegetables and tomatoes and everything to go with it. And then you start going, I could do something more. So I did. I, I, I solar panels at my house. But actually, why stop there? I actually then went and bought the electric car because that means I can now start fulfilling the system, right? And then I knew I was going to be working at home for a very long time and I'm in a fortunate position. So I built an office in the garden that I only have to heat now with my solar panels, right? So I've actually reduced my own energy supplies to the house by thinking differently. But there's so many opportunities. And I think that's one of the challenges about why it takes time sometimes. So how do we put the sort of bricks in place that people can build the wall gradually together and we build this new place together? And I think it's this stepped approach and breaking it down and building back up together. And we get it wrong sometimes and, and acknowledging that and, and changing the course and doing better next time. But I think I think it really is as simple as that, but it, that does take thoughtfulness to really think about the bricks and how you build that wall together. So what I hear Edel saying, Alexis, is that this mind shift is coming our way. At some moments, it'll be a tsunami of information. And at other moments, we can do our own autonomous way of learning, which is what does even net zero mean? Looking it up, reading, Googling. Um, share with us your thoughts. Using COVID as an example, I love that example of like what what thoughts have kind of gone through your mind in your role as a sustainability officer as we're moving forward? Like what can we learn from you that you've learned? So a couple of things. What Edel was saying that just struck me was the absolute critical nature of forward movement. Do something. Like just go focus on something in front of you that you have already that you can start working on. If you're an individual in a company and don't have the capability of being able to influence the wider strategy of the company, that's the right place to start. That is also what I did. I literally just made up my own job in several roles that I had because I identified this is what was wrong with uh, the process we had in front of us. It wasn't sustainable. And so I just started building it into my own day job and fixing it, just like Edel started with some vegetables. Now, if you're in the fortunate position to actually be perhaps leading a company or chief sustainability officer in this space, then what the thing I think is often getting in the way of companies making progress is they don't focus. They don't take the time to really think, my business model is to do this. So how, when I apply that business model, does it help to get to that net zero world in a way that improves quality of life for everybody? And I think that was even the experience that I had when I moved industries. I had been working in the consumer goods space for 15 plus, maybe 20 years. And I had really enjoyed working in that space because when I first came into that field, sustainability was very crunchy. It was very granola. It was very responsible and important and heavy and not fun. 
Um, and that was the perception that was out there. And I wanted to make sure that it switched over to it being something that was desirable and exciting and innovative and actually just a better way of living than we would have otherwise. Now, when COVID hit, and I had already been a bit on this path for a while, but when COVID hit and the entire economy ramped down, what it became clear to me was that I wanted to be able to have an impact in trying to build that back up again, you know, build that economy back better, have the infrastructure in place that actually would enable us to have this net zero world. And so I took the learnings that I took from that field, and they're actually quite applicable onto this industry. And the first thing I had to do when I came to Arcadis was then say, we can't tackle every problem in the world, but we do do certain things around design and engineering very well. And so what is it when we take our great skill set? what can we contribute to making sure we get to the net zero world faster and do it in a way that promotes this just transition? So then we had to pick fewer things to work on, but because we could focus on them, everybody in the company could look around during their day job and say, how does my little brick contribute to building to these set of focus activities? And that'll help us get there faster. So I want to take this great moment, since we're talking about this transformation and transfer of skills for both of you, and I'll start with you, Alexis. Let's talk a little bit about a sustainable workforce and your trajectory of taking you from here to there was not straight. Mine was not straight. And Edel, I know your trajectory wasn't a straight line either. In fact, both are very interesting. So talk a little bit about regarding breaking the bias, which we used to call probably breaking the glass ceiling. What steps did you take that were scary, but you did them anyway and you grew? So beginning with you, Alexis. Sure. I was lucky enough to be in this position. I got to decide on what job I wanted to have. You still had to work very hard to convince people to pay you for that job, but still you would get to determine what job you wanted. And from pretty early on, I decided that this space, the sustainability space was something that I wanted to make a difference in. And I didn't see a job around it that frankly appealed to me that was about tackling how a business model of a company could be reoriented to actually start solving some of the problems as opposed to maybe doing just less bad. And so what I uh, started to do was to think of where did I want to make a change and what was I good at doing? I was good at convincing people, um, making an argument of where there would be a double benefit. There would be a financial benefit as well as a planetary or society benefit. And so I started actually going to companies and starting in one role and automatically expanding that out to making that be a bigger role around how can we tackle sustainability in a way that actually makes it profitable for us, that is exciting to our consumers, that is exciting to our customers. Now, most people during that time told me, shouldn't you just go for the job that's already out there? Why, why are you trying to push the edges? And that, I think, is something that probably we should tell all young women, that the most interesting jobs out there aren't the ones that are listed. Go make your own, and you will be able to build the business case for that job. And then don't 
put any artificial barriers on yourself. People like to come to me now and say, how is it being a woman in STEM? And I said, it's new to me because it never occurred to me. I didn't study engineering. I didn't study math. But still, based on the subject matter that I work in, there's a really critical role that I can play in this field in, for example, engineering. So I think my main takeaways out of this, don't put any artificial limitations on yourself. Just get really excited about a problem that needs to be solved and figuring out how by solving it, you're creating benefit also for a company or an organization. And then just start doing that job in your day job. And the interesting thing is usually then they wind up giving you the title to keep doing it. And find the company that's willing to listen. And your landscape, your professional landscape is really interesting. Edel, tell us a little bit about, you started out as an engineer in one space and you allowed yourself to transform in different ways. Take us there. Uh, just listening to what you were, you were saying there, I think I've lived a pretty unconstrained career where if something was interesting to me, I thought I would have a go. Uh, I've definitely looked back sometimes and gone, what on earth was I thinking? But actually, you know, one of, one of the things I often say to people is there is no such thing as a bad experience. There's experiences you might personally not want to do again, but how would you possibly know and had you not taken the opportunity to practice it and see what it looked and felt like? And so certainly from a career perspective, whilst I did start out as a construction engineer um, I knew climbing scaffolds for the rest of my uh, career wasn't going to be a possibility. So I decided to go into uh, the consulting side of it. And that has just allowed me to go and work with clients, not only from construction uh, over time, but actually solving their problems. And one thing that I, I know I get really connected to is they're generally complex problems, but there's a why. Why are we trying to solve that? So it's not just the what needs doing, it's the why. And really getting connected to the strategic intent of why that particular uh, project exists for the business. You know, you don't just build schools to build a school. You build a school to grow the future. And, and actually, if you get your head into that space when you're working on any of these projects with our clients, you really can start fulfilling a better, better outcome for them and really making a difference because that's how you're making the quality of the decisions with them. And if we could leave women listening to this leadership series podcast, I'll start with you, Alexis. What's a word of advice of your younger self that you would give a woman today and then it'll pick it up when Alexis is done? I would say trust yourself in terms of what you think is important work. And if you can convince yourself that this is something the world needs, usually the world will catch up to you. Back when I was working on this topic, just starting out, everybody kind of knew there was this green thing out there, climate change, but it was real back burner kind of stuff. And it just seemed like it was a never ending battle to pull that to the foreground and actually make it core to business. And that just didn't feel right to me. And it seemed like a really interesting challenge to work on and a really important one too. And the strangest thing happened is that I went through this career doing all the things that people told me not to do. I was told go into a normal business role, go do the traditional thing to do, earn your stripes and then come on over to this field or go this way, work for this organization. I didn't do any of those. And I had these fascinating jobs. None of these should have happened if I followed the advice of other people. So I was really connected to what I wanted to get done. And the funniest thing is, 
these days, the last two years, there doesn't seem to be any hotter topic than this. So that career that didn't exist before, people are now calling me and asking me, how do I get the exact same career? So the advice is go ahead and figure out what problem needs to be solved and then just go create your own job profile. Edel? It's really inspiring, Alexis, just listening to that. And I, I was sm- I'm smiling because what would I say to anybody? Make sure you enjoy what you're doing whatever it is because if you don't enjoy it you're not, you're not feeding your soul or your mind and and in, in doing that also pick opportunities where you have to be stretched and you have to go and learn something different because that in itself is hugely energizing and I, I guess my third piece is work with people you love working with because you are a better person they will be better people and that team will perform anybody else such a fun conversation you're both absolutely right. You know, challenge traditional systems, be truthful to yourself. And I think if there's one last word of advice, both of you have found what your superpowers were. Those are powerful, impactful moments that now are changing the world in small ways. And when we do this as a community, wow, we can really maximize the impact among the communities that we serve. It's been an honor to speak to both of you, Alexis Haas, Arcadis Chief Sustainability Officer, and Edel Christie, Arcadis Chief Transformation Officer. I want to thank you both for joining us. We'd like to thank our audience as we celebrate women's goals and achievements on the international stage, recognizing how far we've come and where we are headed. 